Great. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Caught me on the hop there. I thought I had another song to kind of get myself ready to come and deliver the word. Be ready in season and out of season (laughs) to preach the word of God. Um, If you can open up your Bibles, please, or switch them on or whatever you do these days uh, to Genesis 26, verse 34. And uh, we've got a long passage to read together, so we want to get straight into it. Um, It's going to take us a little while just to read through this. Okay, so Genesis 26, 34, and we're going to go right to the end of Genesis 27 up to verse 45. Okay. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, He called Esau his oldest son and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare for me delicious food such as I love and bring it to me so that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself. And not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. So he went and he took them and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garment of Esau, her oldest son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her youngest son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. 
He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he's taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers. I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine, I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me even also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling and away from the dew of heaven on high by your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother but when you grow restless you shall break his yoke from your neck now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him and Esau said to himself the days of mourning for my father are approaching then I will kill my brother Jacob but the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him for a while until your brother's fury turns away. 
until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be reft of both of you in one day? Father, as we look at this word together, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we would see you, Jesus, high and lifted up. Soften our hearts, Lord, that we might walk in obedience to your word and be bright shining vessels in a crooked and depraved generation. Cleanse us today, we ask, by the washing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is a story of a family. It's a family uh, chosen by God to be vessels of God's blessing upon the earth to the whole world. This is a family who lived thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, You've never met them. Yet what happened to them has implications for your life and for my life. Their story has shaped history. And undoubtedly, the story of your life is impacted by their story, even if you haven't realized it yet. This is a family that was handpicked by the creator of the universe to bring about a blessing upon the earth. And it was through this family line that God would send his son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for the whole of creation to be reconciled with its creator. Now, God had created the heavens and the earth. He had made man to rule the earth, to subdue the earth in partnership with himself. But man, in his pride and in his desire to be equal with God, had rejected God's leadership. And a curse came upon the earth. Enmity between man and woman, toil in hard labor, pain in childbirth, sickness and death were all consequences of man's rebellion against God. The good creation that God had created was in an absolute mess, and it's in a mess today. But God, in his great mercy, he chose not to obliterate the earth that he'd created, but he chose to redeem it. That's good news. He chose to bring it back to being the place of his dwelling and to be the place of his blessing. And his method, in his wisdom, probably wouldn't be in our wisdom, but in his wisdom, his method was to choose a family, a small family, to be his people. There's nothing special about this family. In fact, they were quite ordinary people. They were not chosen because they had it all together. If anything, they were chosen because they were weak. And God is always most glorified when his plans come to pass through weak and broken people. God chose Abraham to be the father of this family. He made a covenant with Abraham to grow his family, to give him some land, a bit of real estate, and to bless the whole world through him. That global blessing would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of Abraham, and through whom God offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life to the entire world. And this family was so significant to God's plan 
that even to this day, the God of the whole universe goes by the name of this family. He's known throughout the Bible as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So this passage today is the story of two of Abraham's grandsons who were Isaac's twin sons. One called Esau, who was the oldest one, and the younger one called Jacob. This is the story of Jacob being chosen over Esau to be the one through whom God's family would be extended and through whom God's covenant promises would continue. Now Isaac, he believed that he was nearing death. In fact, he had another 40 years to go. But he felt, you know, he felt his bones creaking and he felt, oh, I'm getting old. I need to pass on the blessing to one of my sons. So he was going to pass on the baton. That was his decision. And he was going to choose one of his boys to become the father of God's family. And he intended all along to bless his oldest son, Esau. But Jacob tricked his father and he got the blessing instead. Now in those days, uh, once a fatherly blessing was spoken, a patriarchal blessing was spoken over a son, it was as binding as a written contract would be today. It could not be revoked once it had been spoken. So Jacob received the promised blessing that God would give him the dew of heaven, the good provision of the promised land, that people would serve him, that nations would bow down before him and his descendants, that he would be lord over his brothers, and God would bless every single person who blessed him. And Esau, the oldest boy, he lost out. Jacob, he would go on to be renamed Israel, and his name would appear even in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Imagine your name appearing in, the, in Jesus' family line. You read that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 2. Forever Jacob would be part of God's chosen people. The family line of Abraham. He'd always be the biological ancestor of Jesus Christ. Forever Jacob would be part of God's family who will inherit the earth and who will be with God for eternity. Esau, on the other hand, he would go on to be the father of the Edomites, a people who lived by the sword and who fought against Israel, a people who spawned Herod, the king who tried to kill Jesus Christ through genocide, and a people who would eventually be wiped from the face of the earth. So we've got two twin brothers, born of the same biological family, born minutes apart, but whose destinies and whose legacies would be in stark contrast with one another. One would be part of God's family forever, and the other would be cut off forever and ever and ever, for all eternity. And the most glaring question that faces us today is why did Jacob receive the blessing over Esau? Why did that happen? So the first thing to say in answer to that question is that Jacob received the blessing through trickery. He tricked his father into giving him the blessing. He didn't receive it because his father Isaac chose to give it to him. Isaac was all set to bestow the blessing upon Esau. Esau was the eldest, 
And in those days, historically, the eldest boy, he received a, a double portion of inheritance from his father, and then he received the father's blessing to lead the family. And then furthermore, Esau was his father's favorite. Now, I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but Isaac had a favorite. Esau was a skillful hunter. He brought home good meat for his father to have nice food. He was a man's man, and his father kind of liked that about him. So he was the favorite, whereas Jacob, on the other hand, he was the younger of the two twins. He was a quiet lad who spent most of his time at home. He was doing a bit of cooking with his mother. That's how he tended to pass the time. And uh, he was preferred by his mother. He was not his father's choice to lead the family. But Jacob, whilst he was quiet and whilst he was an unassuming lad, he was very, very cunning, very deceitful, very cunning. We first see this in Genesis 25 where he's cooking and then his brother comes home. Esau comes home after a full day's work. He's tired, he's hungry, and he says, hey, Jacob, give us some of that stew that you're cooking. <laughs> and Jacob, extraordinarily, he turns around to Esau and he says, okay, I'll give you some food if you give me your birthright in exchange. And incredibly, the deal was done. I mean, you can't believe that he would exchange his birthright for a bowl of stew, but he did. And they did the deal. Esau got fed, and Jacob got the birthright of the eldest son. Then in this Genesis 27 passage we've just read, we see Jacob colluding with his mother to trick his father Isaac into believing that he was Esau. He took advantage of his father's frailty and his father's infirmities to receive the blessing his father intended for Esau. So that's the natural explanation of why Jacob received the blessing, because he conspired in deceit with his mother to trick Isaac and to get the blessing. But of course, there's so much more to the story than that. Whilst Jacob was deceitful in his approach, don't think that Esau was the blameless victim that he made himself out to be. After Esau realized that he lost the blessing to Jacob, he was at pains to let it be known that Jacob was the one at fault. You know, he says to his father about Jacob, he says, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he's cheated me these two times. And the name Jacob literally means he trips people up or he cheats. He's saying, is he not rightly named a cheater? Look what he's done to me, Father. Now, that might be true that Jacob did do those things and Jacob was a cheater. But what Esau missed, which we so often miss when we focus on the failings of other people, is we miss the enormity of our own failings. As Esau was trying to take the speck out of Jacob's eye, he missed the big fat plank in his own which was the plank of apathy and the plank of faithlessness towards God and the great grace that God had made available to him you know in the natural order of things Esau was in pole position to receive the blessing of his birthright a unique blessing given by the grace of God alone yet he was willing to exchange the gracious, eternal blessings of God for a bowl of stew. That 
I know it's comical in a way, but that is a tragedy beyond all tragedies. But how often do people forego the eternal blessings of God for instant and temporal gratification in this life? Let's just pause before we laugh at Esau and consider ourselves. That desire of Esau to gratify his flesh and think of pleasure in the moment and not pleasure for eternity lost him the blessing of his father Isaac and everything that came with it. You know, later on, once it had all sunk in, and the decision of his father had been made, Esau realized what he'd done, and he cried out in great bitterness. But it was too late. His opportunity had gone. And such is the tragedy that Esau failed to obtain the grace of God, that the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 holds Esau up as an example for us. It names his name in there, Hebrews chapter 12. And he warns us not to walk in unholiness like Esau, lest we forfeit the grace of God and come to a place like Esau did, where repentance becomes impossible for us. So Esau lost the blessing through his own lack of desire for God's blessing and because of his preference for created pleasures rather than the pleasure of walking in relationship with his creator. So, so far we've looked at the choices that Jacob made and Esau made, which resulted in the blessing being bestowed upon Jacob and not Esau. But we mustn't forget the most significant choice that was made as to who would receive the blessing. And that wasn't Jacob's choice, and that wasn't Esau's choice, and it wasn't Isaac's choice, and it wasn't Rebecca's choice. Do you know whose choice that was? It was God's choice. God's choice. In Genesis 25, we read that the Lord spoke to Rebekah before the brothers were born and told her that within her womb were two nations, two peoples who would be divided. The Lord said to her, Rebekah, one will serve the other. One will be stronger than the other. And God's sovereign choice was that Esau, the older one, would serve Jacob, the younger one. That Jacob would receive the blessing. And from him would be birthed the 12 tribes of Israel. And from his line would come the Christ. Now in our generation, which supposedly holds up equality as being the highest virtue, it's somewhat offensive, I know, to suggest that God would choose one person over another person for no other reason than he is God and he gets to choose. And whilst that might be an offense, and whilst that might be a stumbling block to many people, nevertheless it's true. It's true. Nobody is deserving of God's mercy, and God has mercy on whom he chooses to have mercy and God decided to choose Jacob. And so, 
whilst God is not mentioned as actively participating in the story of Genesis 27, we know that he purposed Jacob to receive the blessing because he said so to Rebekah back in Genesis 25. So we can assume that he was somehow at work in Rebekah being at the right place at the right time to hear that Isaac was just about to give the blessing to Esau. We can rightly assume that God somehow caused Isaac to believe that it was Esau speaking to him when deep down Isaac recognized that it was Jacob's voice. You know, God doesn't override a person's free will. Neither does God cause people to sin or tempt us to sin. Like Jacob and Rebekah sinned in order to receive the blessing. But God does work in all circumstances to the purpose of his will. And God purposed Jacob to receive the blessing. And so he did. But that's not quite the last word in this story. Because there's a final piece in the puzzle which is quite easy for us to overlook and that's the fact that Jacob received the blessing of his father because he sought the blessing of his father he sought it in that he went after it in faith that he would receive it and in that he stands in stark contrast to his brother Esau who was lacking in any desire to receive his father's blessing until he was walking in the consequences of losing it. So Jacob, whilst he obtained the blessing through deceit, at least he believed the blessing of God was worth having, and he fought to make the blessing his own. Now Jacob was a deeply flawed individual, yet despite all of his vices, he was a man of faith. Later in life we see Jacob wrestling with God all night and refusing to let go of God until God gave him the blessing. Have you ever wrestled with God all night? Wrestled in prayer with God all night without going to sleep? That takes faith. It takes belief that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. Then in Hebrews 11.21, we read that it was in faith that Jacob blessed his sons to be leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. So in being a flawed man, a sinful man, but a man of faith, Jacob bore the likeness of his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac, both of whom, don't forget, were sinful men, but men who demonstrated faith through their actions and to whom God accredited righteousness because of their faith. So here we've got these two brothers. Both of them are sinful. Both of them are flawed. But one chosen by God to receive an eternal inheritance. And the difference, the only real difference between the two brothers was simply this. Esau was a man of the flesh. Jacob was a man of faith. God does not choose people based on their good behavior. Because the truth is that none of us are good. We might do kind acts. We might do helpful things. But morally, not one of us are good. If you've come to church today thinking that this is a place 
that is full of good people, you're mistaken. I might not get invited back for saying that. I'll take the hit, all right? This is not a place full of good people. None of us are good. Not one of us are good. He's not looking for good people. He's looking for faithful, faithful people. He's looking for people of faith because it's the people of faith who receive the blessings of God. You say, how can that be? How can God overlook sin and still be just and allow sinful people to inherit the blessings they don't deserve just because they have faith? Well, that's the problem that God was faced with when sin entered the world through the first people, Adam and Eve, and then replicated in every human being since then. How does God bring a people who cannot help but sin back to himself without overlooking their sin? Because we all know that sin needs to be punished and sinners do not deserve the blessings of God. And that is not just the good news, but it's the great news that we have in Jesus Christ. God solved the problem by sending his son in the likeness of human flesh for the very purpose that he would die upon a cross and take upon himself all of our sin. The penalty that we deserve for sin and all of our wrongdoing was laid upon him at Calvary, laid upon Jesus Christ. Then God resurrected Jesus from the dead. He exalted him to his right hand as Lord in glory so that whoever, whoever puts their faith in him will have the record of sin that stand, stands against them wiped away and will have the promise of eternal life. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, though coming after Jacob's life, was applied to Jacob because God foreordained the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for sinners before the world was created. And Jacob's name was written in the Lamb's book of life. The book that will be opened on the day of judgment when we all stand before Jesus Christ. The names in that book, in the Lamb's book of life, are the names of the people who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They've not placed their trust in their own works or in their own good deeds, but they've placed their trust in the one who died for them in their place and who has been raised from the dead and exalted as Lord. There'll be some other books that are opened on that day and those books will contain the record of all of the deeds of men and women throughout history. And those who haven't placed their faith in Jesus will stand on that day. They'll stand on the record of their own works. And not one person who does that will be justified. Not one person who does that will be counted blameless because every one of us have sinned and every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Esau lived his life seeking not God, but seeking his own stomach. 
he'd come to a place where later on he would see the enormity of his mistake. He would seek the blessing of God with tears, but he would be unable to repent and obtain it. Now there's a story in Luke chapter 16 of a rich man and a poor man. The the rich man spent all his life accumulating material wealth upon the earth. But he clearly lacked faith. When he died, he went to hell. The poor man, he lacked in this life. But due to his faith, when he died, he went to heaven. And it was said, it's said of him that he was placed next to Abraham in heaven. What an amazing thing for that poor man to be next to Abraham, the father of the faith. And what's striking in that story is the agony of the rich man. He's suffering under the wrath of God. And he realizes the situation he's in for eternity. And he begs the poor man to dip his finger in water and quench the anguish of his burning in hell. He longed to be released. Abraham spoke to him, and he explained that the agony he was experiencing was deserved, it was just, because in this life, he chose to focus on personal comfort. He did not place his faith in the God of heaven. Then Abraham said to him, that between the bliss of heaven and the agony of hell, a great chasm has been set in place, which it was impossible to cross from one side to the other side. He was saying to the rich man, your fate has been established forever. There's no going back. You know, Esau had everything going for him. Everything. But his hunger for material comfort meant that he would forego the blessing of being in the family of God. And later in tears, he would regret his foolishness in not obtaining the grace of God that had been made available to him freely. You know, we like Esau, we are in pole position to receive the grace of God. We live in a day that comes after a time when God has made himself known in Jesus Christ. After a time where God has made the way for us to be reconciled to him, fully open. He's provided a way. He's provided a gate. He's provided a door. If we will turn from our sin and we'll walk in faith towards God through this gate, through this door, through this way, through the man, Christ Jesus, we can have the eternal blessings of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the poor man Lazarus, who is dwelling with the saints in heaven. The paradise of God is available to us. But if we reject God's grace, like Esau the rich and the rich man, there'll come a time where, like him, we will not be able to repent. Where the Father's decision will be made and the opportunity of obtaining the grace of God and the blessing of God will be gone forever. So today, friends, is a day that the grace of God is available to us. Each and every one of us, whatever your background, wherever you've come from, 
whether you've been to church or not, whether you've been brought up in a Christian family or not, whether you've dabbled in other religions or not, whatever your social status is, whatever your job is, uh, whatever your marital status is, it makes absolutely no difference because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Today is a day of his grace. So let's turn to God today. Let's turn away from our sin. Let's flee from it. And let's seek God today while he might be found in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our hearts in prayer together. Father in heaven, we recognize that we're so undeserving of your mercy and your grace. We confess today, Lord, that we have done nothing in which we can boast, but all of our works are like filthy rags. We know we deserve the judgment and the wrath of God. But we thank you that in your great mercy and your grace and the love that you have within yourself, you sent your son Jesus Christ to be the atonement for our sin. And we thank you that you've made eternal blessings, an imperishable inheritance available to us in Jesus Christ. We bless you for that today. We thank you for that. We thank you that many of us know what it is to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you would help us resist the temporal, materialistic pleasures of this age. We pray that we would not be people who seek to gratify our stomachs or our bank accounts or anything else that is earthly and temporal. But we would be ones who are looking for an eternal city. We would be ones who fix our gaze upon heaven. That we would be a heavenly-minded people. That we would remember where our citizenship is in Jesus Christ. That in him you have raised us up and seated us in heavenly places. Father, we bless you today. And Father, I pray, Father, for anyone here who's come, who's not yet put their faith in you through Jesus Christ, that you would give them the grace to turn to you right now, to make a choice, to lay a line in the ground and say more than anything, I want the blessing of being reconciled to God of having peace with the one who created me, of knowing the eternal life that Jesus died to purchase for me. And Father, I pray that faith would arise in this place and salvation would arise. And these ones, these precious ones to you, Father, would put their faith in you and know what it is to walk in relationship with you all of their days. In Jesus' name.